you listening. This is my first podcast for Sona's point of view. And today I want to talk about a substack that I wrote called The Red Line. Um, I got some interesting comments about it, but basically the gist of it was Donald Trump didn't just happen to us. We have been on a path getting to Trump for quite some time now. I mean, if we want to be historical about it, we can say it started with Nixon and or go all the way back to FDR and say the GOP at the time and up until today are trying to get rid of all of the accomplishments that he made to make America what it was, a country of innovation, not for all, but for some, basically for white men. But it was something that we were aspiring to be better. And that red line, it keeps on getting crossed and decent people are crossing it all the time. Donald Trump did it, we dismissed it, the media normalized him. Uh, We dismiss the GOP every single time they cross a red line. We try to analyze it. Those in the media and the Beltway press, they're the worst because they say things like, well, a GOP insider told me, you really don't have any kind of in-track or insight into the GOP that we don't see on a daily basis just because you're there. You're not their friend. You are a reporter, so if you're doing your job, they shouldn't be your friends. So, you know, when they say on all of these morning shows and the Sunday shows, oh, free airtime for the big lie that Trump is perpetuating about his election being stolen and people are still coming on. Just last week, Steve Scalise went on and said he still didn't think Joe Biden was a legitimate president. All evidence to the contrary, of course. But we enabled them. We did. So basically, my piece was about um, something called the balloon test. So what dictatorial regimes do is they send out little trial balloons and they say the most ludicrous, most ridiculous things you can think of. And they, they're waiting to see how far they can push it. And if you keep on letting them, they're going to push, push it further and further and further because we're consumed, completely consumed by these traps that they've laid out for us. And, you know, is what's the person next door doing? Does so-and-so have a bigger house? Um, are we in the right school district? Are we getting into the right colleges for my kids to have a future? I mean... For your kids to have a future, there has to be an America, right? If you live here. So, but we, you know, we're, we're in our little bubbles and that's where we exist. So we're consumed by these traps. Behind the scenes, the politicians are not. They are consistently going over these red lines and those fundamental principles that we all shared, how to learn, to assimilate, to live together, black, white, Brown, um, you know, LGBTQ, everything. Those, those types of things are disappearing, like right in front of our eyes. And it happened in just a few years, really, the last four years with Trump. But it's been happening for a while. We're going to this Game of Tone, Game of Thrones type of dystopian experience. That's like our life now. It's 
it's tweet by tweet, minute by minute. Uh, we, we don't trust anybody. We don't even trust what the broadcasters are saying. We don't have any Walter Cronkites anymore. We barely listen to just regular news broadcasting as we're getting our news sources from wherever we want. We don't have one news source we go to. We go to several, and they all confirm our points of view, including this podcast. Whoever's listening to this is going to hopefully agree with me, but if not, feel free to disagree. But because we decided, you know, around the time of Nixon that he resigned, we were out of Vietnam, we're making all these advances with civil rights and feminism, and we thought it was all fixed. You know, according to white America, it was fixed. So let's move on. Let's, we're lucky. We're living out the dream, so let's move on. Politicians don't think that way. <laughs> In the dark corners behind the facade of those family-first politicians, they're toying with that red line again, just seeing how many falsehoods we were willing to swallow to maintain the veneer of normalcy. And we were going to take it all because we wanted everything. And we were ripe. We were ready for a figure like Reagan with his empty promises of trickle-down economics, which literally means I'm going to pee on you (laughs) if you're not wealthy. We were duped. We are guaranteed this exceptional life, and some people believed it. You know, he ignored the AIDS crisis. He, He... tried to destroy the unions, he started welfare queens, all of those things that we kind of tea-partied today. And where is the tea party now? Well, they're the GOP. The GOP's way worse than the tea party was, so you imagine the next one. So because we're so complacent, we stopped paying attention to politics, right? We were too consumed with those traps. Uh, That all changed when Trump got elected. So if he did one thing, he did get a national conversation going about politics again. And uh, this country changed forever, forever. And it took almost our entire democracy on the verge of collapse for all of us to really begin to pay attention to all the nuances and who... uh, who knew what January 6th was? I mean, did we know that was the day that they vote? You know, that they, they do the electoral college vote? I mean, nobody knew that really. I mean, some people I'm sure knew it. I, I definitely didn't. And now that day is the day of the terrorist attack that's going to go down, like with 9-11 and, and Pearl Harbor. You know, it's a terrorist attack on American soil. And so... You know, in the past 20 years, we've had some times where we've paid attention to politics, like the Iraq Wars, 9-11, Hurricane Katrina, the banking crisis. But nothing was really ever even done about that. Nobody was brought to justice for any of it. And under Biden, we're starting. But, I mean, this it took this long in a first world country, and that's that's not exceptional. There's no exceptional America. We are not special. We are not unique. Every culture thinks that they're exceptional. You know, every single culture. So basically, it's kind of up to us now. We've got to have accountability. We have to demand justice. We need to answer that call. Because if you've ever read history books, wondered what you would have done during the Holocaust, would you have hit Ayn Rand? 
No, Andrea. Oh, God. I hope you wouldn't hide her and Frank. Um, or, or would you have, you know, been a sympathizer? What would you have done during slavery? Well, this is the time. You're doing it right now. This is the time to choose because this is a test. This is a test to see if American democracy can survive. And what we do in this moment, it's going to define us forever. Thank you for listening and, you know, try to keep your mind open and let's have a dialogue. Okay, so this is out of completely nowhere, (laughs) but since everybody's talking about it, let's talk about the royals. Um, It's not something that is very political in this country, however, it does say a lot about race and um, in the world, actually, and in the UK, which has always been more of a classist society, but clearly race has a lot to do with um, the entire situation with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. Um, Of course, Megyn Kelly, the uh, fake propagandist journalist (laughs) that she has weighed in. Uh, she I don't even know what she was saying. She's giving Oprah advice on how to interview. Really? Oprah? Are you kidding me? Of all people? <laughs> I think Oprah in her decades and decades um, doing this job is pretty damn good at it, Megan. So shut up. Nobody wants to hear your Santa is white argument. But it does say a lot about the fact that she even has airtime. I mean, don't put her on. This is not about her. It's not about anything but what it is. And it's racist, it's classist, and it's basically the caste system in the UK. And we have a caste system everywhere. Um, Right now we're talking about the UK, but obviously one of the original ones was in India with the um, untouchables and the upper classes. That has been used to justify horrible, horrible things in its name. The the degradation of people and invented reincarnation. So if you see somebody suffering in India, which a lot of people do, you think they did something bad in their last life. So they deserve it. It's ridiculous. You know, it's just a way to justify because there's no other way for them to explain human suffering, but that's all, all religion really. But, um, we'll get into that another time. So anyway, getting back to the UK, I just, uh, having lived there for uh, about five years, I I see the effects the monarchy has on day-to-day life. They don't govern, but you look at them as a governing body, as an entity. And I guess nobody knew this as well as, uh, you know, as Princess Diana, when she gave almost the exact same interview as Meghan Markle, and she talked about the institution. I don't know if everybody saw it, but she basically talked about it being an institution and going to HR to make a complaint about her suicidal thoughts that she was having and they were widely ignored who knew the Buckingham Palace had an HR department (laughs) 
But I, the only difference, the obvious difference with Diana is she was white, and um, but she was still an outclass, so that's that's where it comes to the class system in the UK because she wasn't Miss Spencer was not um, part of royalty, so she was treated as such. And Meghan Markle is not royalty, and she's black, so that's. In, you know, the press in Britain, it's just so controlled by the royal family or not, you know, that the stories that get out are often by design, often they're horrible stories, but it's about people that, like Megan or Diana, that have an adversarial relationship with the royals. Those are the ones that get the most negative press. Everybody else is protected you know, as Meghan Markle spoke about last night to Oprah. So uh, race being the obvious issue, but also the monarchy not being a governing body is kind of ludicrous because they do not make the rules. They're not sitting in parliament, but they govern. They govern through the fact that just everybody in the UK thinks the queen is some royal figure, which is true. She is royalty, but why? I mean, the monarchy should be gone. It is archaic, and it was never a good system, even when it was relevant. And now it's beyond its relevancy, and it's playing to some strange semblance of some past that was never good for everybody definitely not for let's say migrant groups that were in the UK like Indians, Jamaicans Africans uh, it was never ever anything like that so obviously race and class has a lot to do with the UK um, you know, it's, it's people think it's this is frivolous but it's actually quite fascinating because when you look at it we're doing the same thing here it's just not royalty but it's a caste system here it's very heavily focused on race but it's also caste it's also like the elites versus the non-elite non-college educated uh, you know type of voters and they pit us against each other when really we have a lot more in common we're just not taught that way and we're not educated that way and that's all done by design to keep us fighting. You know, that concept of hegemony I was talking about. But yeah, so the royals are a perfect example of it all gone awry and something that should stay in the past. Way in the past. <laughs> uh, just like a lot of other things. And anyway, thanks for listening. Have a good Monday. Bye.